You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. We've all experienced some form of anger. Not only does it affect our emotional, but also mentally and physically. Anger triggers the body's fight or flight response, stimulating the adrenal glands to flood the body with stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. Studies show that a constant barrage of stress chemicals and metabolic changes that go with unmanaged anger can eventually cause health problems, including headaches, gut issues, skin problems such as eczema, insomnia, and increased anxiety and depression, high blood pressure, and even trigger a stroke or heart attack. Today on Wellness for Life, we have anger management expert Carol Barks. She's a certified professional mediator, neuropeak performance specialist, and a best-selling author. And her approach to conflict is brain-based. So her information is fresh, relevant, and highly effective. Let's learn more on how to manage our feelings that blocks us from being our very best self. Welcome, Carol. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. Absolutely. Now let's dive right into the seven steps to better anger management. What's step one? Gosh, step one is to make yourself conscious of what you're thinking. So anger is really part of that ancestral fight or flight response that we have. So when we're dealing with being angry, that really is an indication that something is not right with just our psyche. And the problem with anger is that it can give us a false sense of certainty and confidence and optimism, which makes us make decisions that are not necessarily rational. And so getting it under tap so that it doesn't turn into toxic stress is really critical. A lot of people, at least some of my patients, I've over the years have said, I come from an angry family. I, my grandparents are angry, my mother, my father, whoever, and I'm just like them. Is that something that, a trait that we can break? It sure is. And there's so many different things that we do. The first thing that you really want to do is learn how to manage your anger. So just because that's something that has gone on in your family really just means that you are taking on everybody's fight or flight responses. So the first thing that people should do is really observe how they respond to things. And whether it's somebody else being angry or ourselves being angry, it's a key that something is not right in our world. So if we stop judging it as being angry and accept it as, oh, wow, here is that physiological response, what's causing it, so we can name it and then reframe that in something positive and compassionate and solution-based, then that is one of the easiest first steps to take. My girlfriend, Joan, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, she's a teacher and she's a psychologist here in Los Angeles. She says it takes 90 seconds for that anger, those anger chemicals to dissipate. And with my patients, I tell them, give yourself a break and give yourself 90 seconds to cool it before you make your decision. Because once you say something, sometimes it's not what we want to say. Once we create some form of action that might be aggressive, that might, might not be you know good for you as well. 90 seconds is what it takes, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and so with that 90 seconds, what Dr. Joan Rosenberg is referring to is it takes 90 seconds for that first wash of chemicals to go through our brain. So if you've ever been mad or angry longer than 90 seconds, which we all have, I can be mad for days if you catch me at the right time. It's really about rethinking a different thought. So those chemicals keep coming the more you focus on what's making you angry. So if you change your thought, you can stop that chemical bath and you can get control over what your brain is processing. And one of the things that is pretty cool is I'm doing some research with, with puppies in mediation and we'll put puppies between people that are fighting. So they have cortisol and adrenaline racing. So they're really angry and we stick a puppy in the middle of them and the puppies re make you release dopamine and you can't have dopamine and cortisol and adrenaline all at the same time and people calm down. So yeah, controlling your thoughts is a great tip. Wow. I didn't know that. Puppies, I thought it was like an oxytocin thing. And I guess the feel-good hormones like serotonin, dopamine is good for focusing uh -huh. and getting motivated. So gosh, it just connects to our higher self, obviously. And, and then uh -huh. you can change your thoughts because that's your number two. The first was about it, let's explore the root cause of your anger and where that comes from. And I always say that writing things down can really be helpful because it, you might be able to find some of your patterns that you get over the times, like you keep on repeating the same kind of anger. And then changing your thoughts, as you said, number two is really the quickest way to relieve it. So let's say that you're angry about someone. What can you say to yourself to change a thought? What can you say, like a quote or a statement to yourself? So really, a lot of it is about observing, and it's also about changing the way that you're approaching something. So for instance, if I'm mad at somebody else because they're um, treating me unfairly or naughty, and, and they're just hostile. If I remember that they're just having their own fight or flight response, which tells me that their brain is in distress, maybe I could have some grace and some kindness and some patience towards them rather than meeting them where they're at. And another thing is adjusting something that's negative to something that's positive. So right now I have company coming this weekend for Easter and I really hate cleaning toilets. But at the same time, I'm really happy to have indoor plumbing. So if you change it from the fact that it's an icky thing to something that's a blessing, then that in itself can lower the effects of anger and frustration and anxiety on your noggin. That's what you mean by number three, reframing your thoughts. You really just got to switch it over uh, to something. And yeah, I, I, for myself, I have a tendency to just basically... Um, be the observer, as you're saying, and then I like look at the good part of it. What am I going to learn from this experience? Because that's that's what it, you've got to know is that you've got to learn something from it. So that's what I end up yes. doing. Yeah, and you might learn it later, but knowing that everything has purpose. So for instance, if I'm talking with you and my son is waving at the window and wanting my attention, that can be annoying. But then it also reminds me that I have a family that loves me. Mm. Yeah, so it really is about finding the beauty in everything, even if it doesn't seem like a blessing. There's something great right. if you look hard enough. So this week, one of my patients, it's such a sad situation. Her mother was very emotionally and physically abusive when she was a child. Now she's an adult in her 50s. And to this day, she still gets beaten up on the phone. They don't see each other because of COVID, but she still does. So what I've, I said, what, maybe you need to now stop talking to her every week, three, four times a week. 
because you're just getting bombarded by the same energy and it's causing her physical problems. That's why she sees me. Your number four step is all about limiting the exposure to negative things. Absolutely. And so our brains pay much more attention to things that are negative than they do to positive things. And that goes back to our ancestral roots that positive things go in our brain and out our brain without a whole lot of impact. But those negative things ancestral could have killed us. And so we pay far more attention to those. So like limiting your access to the news. And if you're going to have to be involved with what's on the news, read it instead of watch it. And then if there's people that are toxic in your life, definitely try to limit your exposure to them. And same thing with if you are trying to expand your brain and getting creative with downtime and daydreaming, you definitely don't want to share the dreams and things that you have with people that are closed-minded. So it's really about finding the people that make you grow and limiting yourself from the people who um, pull you down. And you'll find that that frees up a lot of stress and anxiety and anger there too. A young girl, I, I take care of young people too and teenager. And young girl yesterday, I do all my work through virtual phone consultations. And we were talking through FaceTime and she expressed um, to me, she was, she's 16 years old, she's expressing how she's scared about going back to school. There, the, her school is starting to open up after spring break, meaning this whole year, last year, and because of COVID, she's been actually really happy not going and meeting up with people because she's felt a great deal of social anxiety and that negative, how you got to put up a front. That's what she said to me. You got to be nice to everyone and how exhausting it is. And it just creates frustration in her. How do we speak to young people like that? How can we give them some advice on what they can do when they're overwhelmed by all these types of stress and frustration? Sure. So for kiddos, stress is at an all-time high, and I'm sure this, that suicide rates are really up. And a lot of this is about just the fear of the unknown and then the uncertainty. So again, our brain doesn't like when all the dots are not connected. And the tricky part for kiddos is while they're home and they can control themselves, it's really about uh, having control over their environment and minimizing their risk to something that could hurt them. We also have a huge part of our brain that's developed towards social interaction. So a lot of the depression comes from just that very thing is not having that social interaction with people. So for kids that I work with, I really want them to find ways to connect and find ways to interact with people and find ways to shore up and try to identify the um, uncertainty that scares them because then that quiets down their brain a little bit. Regarding uncertainty, so you're saying that make sure that we all have obviously social interaction because we all need that. It's just part of being human. And that will just being with your close friends would be great too, but also knowing what's going to happen during the situation clears up that uncertainty. Is that what you mean? Learning? Exactly. Yeah. So when our brains don't have all the dots connected, then we tend to create evil plot twists and we worry about all the things that could come up. And so the more we can help our kiddos forecast what could go wrong, what happens if you are somebody who is really serious about wearing a mask and your friend doesn't care? helping kids think about what those steps would be, what would they say, how would they say it, and how do they have an exit strategy, but still allow them to interact. Because back 
to how did we survive to be humans at this day and age? It wasn't because we were the biggest animals or the ones with the sharpest teeth or the biggest claws. It was because we knew how to collaborate. So we do want to have that social connection. And at the same time, right now with everything changing, it creates that ambiguity. So those dots, the more we can talk them through and connect to them, the easier it is for people, everyone, adults or kids, to adjust. You know what? I'm looking, you know, at all the seven steps. I just want to make sure there's one thing that I do want us to talk about, and it may be coming back in a, in step five, six, or seven. But it's about how to calm the physicality down, the physical body. Once you have anger, you start the entire sequence of heart racing. You could even have an increase in breath rate. Some people literally get physically red on their face and they start to sweat profusely. Now we're talking about physical symptomatology. Do you have a methodology to slow those physical symptoms down? These are all sympathetic dominant states, by the way. So one of the things that works really, there's tons of research on it, is yawning. So exercise is always really good. We tend to know that and you can do exercise really quickly. Like you could run really fast for 10 seconds and then stop for 10 seconds. But yawning is one that I love because when you yawn, it is the fastest way to lower your stress. It uh, has many things that it does for you. And if you yawn like a fake yawn for three to five times, you will start yawning legitimately and what it does is it stimulates your alertness and your concentration and it also optimizes like your brain activity and your metabolism but it also from there improves your cognitive function it helps with memory and then it just makes you a little more focused believe it or not because it enhances your ability to be introspective and have a heightened consciousness and it's relaxing so your senses get stronger it increases your empathy, your social awareness, and it's just magical. So we talk a lot of times about deep breathing and stretching, but yawning is really one of those really fabulous things that works even faster. Oh, I love that. Now, yawning, what I do is I use the laughing technique. I basically teach my patients to laugh by saying ha five times, and they basically laugh, in, and even if it's nothing's funny, and you just go ha ha. Ah, and do five laughs and that just increases oxygenation too just like yawning i love the yawning thing though because sometimes you can't do with the with the situation where you're in you can't be loud and laughing but you can definitely do a silent yawn <laughs> yeah and the thing about that laughing is it's really cool because it re you know activates your brain's motivation centers and it also increases your self-confidence and one of the things that's really cool is if you can do what's called a Mona Lisa smile, where it activates those muscles around your eyes, it increases uh, trust in the people around us, and it just lowers the tension in a room like you would not believe. So it's, that's a great tip that you point out. Wow. It's just, you're saying the, just like a, a small little crack smile without showing teeth and just lifting your cheek muscles a little bit. Now, I just do that naturally because I don't want frown lines on my face. Yeah. <laughs> but it does prevent that. And it makes my, you just have a little bit more of a sparkle in your eye when you do that. So I love what you just said. 
Yeah. And you know how you, you said you do it naturally. Other people say, gosh, Carol, that I normally have a resting bitch face, if you will. And how do I do that? And you can get it by thinking of someone or something that brings you tremendous joy. So like it, when I was teaching myself to have that look authentically, I would think of the day my son was born. So it just brings that soft smile and glow to you. And when it does that, it just is wonderful for yourself, but it's wonderful for everyone around you because you feel safe. You come off as safe when we look at nonverbal communication. That's awesome. Love that. So let's go to six and seven. What is number six on how to help us manage our anger? One of the cool things that I would love to talk to you and your audience about is creating what's called a crap board. It's an acronym for conflict, resistances, anxieties, and procrastinations. And so when you were talking about writing things out and writing things down, it's really the same thing. And so when you write things down, your brain can begin to disassociate from the words that are on the paper. And so from there, what happens is you can look at, are these things real? Do they actually exist? What would other people put on that list? And when you write it down, your brain just goes, okay, we got it. I don't have to keep ruminating over all of those things. And so you can look at it and go, gosh, are these things memories of something that I'm just projecting onto the future? Are they really true? And if they're not really true, then you can cross off those items. And the really interesting thing about this piece of paper is you don't want to throw it away because as long as you have it written down, your brain says, okay, I don't need to revisit that stuff. And so the more you put it on there, say you check it in a week and go, are these things still here? Cross off the ones that are gone and add any others that might have come in. And you can just keep a running tab and you'll find if you really are looking at it that your list will start shrinking because you're really calling out what's the difference between your intrinsic brain and your actual, you know, conscious brain. I love what you're saying, writing down uh, the crap. They call it crap. I, it's an acronym, but can you go ahead and repeat each word, what each letter stands for? C is for conflict. Mm-hmm. R is for resistances. A is for anxieties. And P anxieties. is for procrastination. Oh, Wow. Wow, these are so good. Oh, I love all that. One of my next guests will be all about procrastination. So I'm excited that you are talking about procrastination. Gosh, let's go to the last one. Last one. And your last subject is actually about how we create stories in our lives and stories that might not even be true. And, and it might be an old story, in fact, that's 20 years old, but you still relive it and that brings on the anger. Can you tell us a little bit about how to work on that? Yeah, so I think really one of the things that I urge people to do is to slow down. I and mean, we're so busy and we're so on autopilot, but when we slow down and start becoming observing beings of our brain, when I first started teaching neuroscience, the thought was that 90% of our thoughts were unconsciously driven, and then it went up and up. And now researchers and neuroscientists say that 98 to 99% of our thoughts are unconsciously driven. So in other words, our brain is oftentimes steering everything that we do. And so our brain likes to look for patterns. And so it will take a new experience and say, oh, this feels similar to something that we had in the past. 
when in reality, it might not be that case at all. So when you slow down, you get a chance to observe and say, is this real or is this a story that I'm telling myself? So for instance, when I work with people who are victims of domestic violence, they might find that a new partner has a pattern that looks like their old person who was a perpetrator, but it may not be anything that has to do with domestic violence. It just might be that they share a similar attribute. And so getting people to stop and go, wait a minute, is, this, is your current person really toxic or are you just noticing and letting your brain put this relationship into the same box that your previous relationship fit into. So it's a way of stopping yourself and getting yourself back into control of your brain. And one of the really cool ways you can do this is make sure you give yourself downtime to um, daydream and to just free think, look at the clouds, ponder, and then it gives you a chance to really tap in in a more conscious way than you might normally. Mm, that's cool. Gosh, I could talk to you for hours and I, you've got a, a, an amazing background and maybe at your, the next, you can come back and Carol and we can talk about peak performance psychology because I know that's your thing too and the neuroscience behind it. Would you be interested in that? Yes. Oh, that would be so amazing. Uh, I'll just make sure our producer takes care of you and, and puts you down for one of our future interviews. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Carol. Can you please tell us where we can find more about you and your work? Yes, absolutely. You can find me at Carol at Carol Barks, B-A-R-K-E-S dot com. Or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or um, LinkedIn. You're all there. Get ready to help everyone. Thanks again. You just were a delight to talk to. Oh, thank you so much for having Great me. information. Okay, perfect. Have a super rest of the day. Oh, you bet. You bet. Ah, such great information. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I know that you've learned a great deal. I know I have. So let's share the show with your loved ones. It can change their life for the better. Please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, Dr. Susie. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.